continue this morning in Psalms, and I just want to remind us what the Psalms are. And anyone, does anyone, I know it was kind of laggy last week. We watched a video um, from the Bible Project on what the Psalms are, um, what they do, what they're meant for. Does anyone remember? I know it was kind of laggy and it was hard to, to kind of follow, but did anyone pick anything up from last week on the video? Good, I'm going to remind you what it said, because I went back and I rewatched it because I couldn't understand it either. Basically, the Psalms are meant to be a prayer book, right? The Psalms as a whole book are divided up into five separate books. And those five separate books are meant to mimic and remind the Israels, the Jews, us, of the first five books of the Bible, which the Hebrews, which the Jews called the Torah, which basically we translate as the law, but Torah can basically be translated as instructions on life. So a lot of times we see the Torah, we see that we hear law and we're like, oh, sin, condemnation, rules, holding me back. Instructions on life. The Torah was meant to, for humans to flourish. It was God's provision in saying, hey, I want you guys to live fully human and this is how you do it. So the Psalms is broken up into five books meant for the Israelites to read as a prayer book while they're in exile to remind them of the commands that God has given them so that while they're in exile, they continue to honor and worship and glorify the one true living God while living amongst many gods. And so today we're gonna, we're gonna dive into Psalm 89, which talks about God's covenant. It's the very last chapter. It's the very last poem. It's actually a song written by Ethan, a guy named Ethan. Yeah, yeah, we have Ethan here. Do you write songs? No? Okay. Not yet. Not yet. And it's the last psalm of the, of the third book of Psalms. Let's pray, and then we'll dive into Psalm 89. Father, thank you that through your son, Jesus Christ, we are able to draw near to you. We are able to enter the throne room with prayer and petition. And you hear us. Your creation, you draw near to. So Father, I pray that uh, today, as we read your word, as we leave this place and go live lives throughout this week, Father, may your spirit continue to remind us to draw near. In the midst of distractions, in the midst of life, May your spirit spur us on to draw near to you. And we are thankful that in your faithful love, in your faithfulness, you promise to draw near to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go through Psalm 89. Psalm 89 is a long, well, it's not as long as some Psalms, but it's, it's 52 verses. So I'm not just going to read straight through all 52 verses because after I was done, you all would probably be asleep. So we're just going to take it in chunks here. Um, would someone be willing to read just the first four? Psalm 89, 1 through 4. Even some kids? Any kids want to read it? Yep, read it nice and loud so everybody can hear.
Thank you. Sorry, I forgot about the folks at home. If you couldn't hear that, I apologize. Um, we do not have everybody mic'd up here, so if you didn't hear that, just follow along. We did 89, 1 through 4. And here we see, here we see the psalmist say, God, you are faithful. You have established a covenant with David. You are the initiator of this covenant, and you have been faithful. Your steadfast love will endure forever. And then he goes on to say in in verses 5 through 18, just how awesome God is. He just talks about, God, you over and over and over again have proved your faithfulness, have shown us your love, have proved that your love will last forever. You have established it in the heavens. And he goes on and on and on. But then we get down to, we get down to verse 38. And something happens. He says this. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. And he goes on and on and says, but God, you, you have defiled him. You have turned your back on him. You have left him out alone and empty. He goes on to say, you took his sword away. His foes rise up against him. And so what happened between one Through four, God, your steadfast love will endure forever. You have initiated this covenant with your servant, David. You have chosen him. And now at 38, God, you turned your back on him. Where are you? So I want to take some time just for a little bit to dive into this this idea of covenant, because I think it's important for us to understand what this means, what this psalmist is talking about when when he's talking about a covenant. Because can anyone tell me what a covenant, what a covenant is? What is a covenant? Kids, does anybody know what a covenant is? I know sometimes we talk about it a lot here. So what's a covenant? Beckett? Jonas? Promise? Good. An oath, yeah. A covenant is a binding agreement between two people. Okay, it's binding. And in this day and age, this covenant, this binding agreement, if one party didn't hold up their end of the bargain, if one party didn't hold up the end of the agreement, the consequence was death. Not always the person had to die, but if you made a covenant between two people for like animals or land, an animal might have to die. The consequence was death. So kids, have you ever made an agreement between somebody? Do you make an agreement? Say like, hey, I'll give you, my nephew tried to do this the other day. I'll give you this cool, um, this cool skin for your car in uh, what we're playing, Rocket League. I'll give you this cool skin for your car in Rocket League if you give me 900 Robux. Oh no, it was credits. It was credits, sorry. It was two, two games they always play. Right, he tried to make a deal. Have you guys ever tried to make a deal with somebody? With maybe one of your friends? Yeah? What, what was what's something you tried to deal? Tried, made an agreement with? Yeah, 
Yeah. It's hard to find a out what's equal, right? What's fair? Yeah, yeah. Right? Did you make an agreement with somebody? What? So you make agreements with Sam, with Samson, but he never owns up his end of the bargain? Dude, your brothers threw you under the bus, man. Yeah. So, I'm, so there's, there are two kinds of covenants during this day. The first one's called a parity covenant. Okay? A parity covenant was an agreement between two equal partners. So if you're making a deal with a friend or you're making a deal with your uncle, you know, like two equal partners. No one person has more authority or power than the other. You're, you're equal. That's called a parity covenant. There was also another covenant called a vassal covenant. A vassal covenant was usually between a king and a servant people. Okay, so Pharaoh or Caesar might make a vassal covenant with their servant people. If you serve me and my gods, I will provide for you we will provide protection. We will let you live on this land. Um, we will p- protect you from any enemies. Uh, we will give you food. Okay, so that was a vassal covenant between a king who had sovereign authority and a servant people who basically really had no authority. Okay, so this idea of covenant, God makes a covenant with, who's the first person he makes a covenant with? Genesis 12. Abraham, kids are on point this morning. Abraham, and he says, Abraham, leave your country and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those whoever curses you. And behold, you will be a blessing to all of the nations. That's the first covenant he makes. A king, a vassal covenant, a king making a covenant, an agreement with a servant people. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing to the nations. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless. And so this idea of coming, I'm going to flesh out for a little bit. I'm going teacher mode on you. I was going to try and do it on Zoom, on the whiteboard, but it wasn't going to work. So here, let me see if I can pull this out. I'm going teacher on you. Sorry. Full whiteboard. I don't know if y'all are going to be able to see much over here. Sorry. Okay, so here's this idea of, here's this covenant. So here we have God, okay, the king, creator of all universe, okay, has all authority, all power. And he makes a covenant with Israel in Genesis, and he makes one with David, which is what we're going to talk about today. He makes one with David in 2 Samuel 7, okay? Now these, what's different, it's similar to this vassal covenant, okay? It's similar, but it's different in that these is made out of mutual love. It's not this tyrannical king that is going to enslave his people by giving them rules and laws and other things to follow. This isn't a, this is my covenant. I'll provide, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation, okay? But you're gonna be my slave people. You're gonna do whatever I want you to do, okay? 
It's born out of mutual love. I am your God. You are my people. And Israel responds, yes, you are our God. Now, out of this mutual love, well, this covenant, um, God speaks his word and he gives promise. Okay? He gives command and he gives a warning. Promise, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. You will be a blessing. Okay? Command, follow me. Gives them the Torah, gives them the law. This is how you should live. Okay? A warning. If you don't live this way, there will be consequences. I give you this to experience the fullness of who I am and to be fully human, not to enslave you. But if you don't live this way, if you don't want this, then there will be consequences. Okay? So the consequences. So we have choice. We can, in faith, obey, and we will get life, blessing, fullness. If we disobey in unbelief, there will be death, destruction, and curse. So God gives Israel, God gives David, God gives Israel through David this covenant, this vassal covenant. And in each of these covenants, God says, hey, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. Follow me. This is the best way to live. This is the best way to live. If you don't follow me, naturally, if this is the best way to live, naturally, if we disobey and choose not to live this way, (laughs) things aren't going to go well for you. There's going to be death. There's going to be destruction. There's going to be curse. But if we in faith choose to obey, there will be blessing, there will be life, there will be fullness of life. So this is the context of what Psalm 89 is talking about, of God's covenant with David. This is what he's talking about. So when we go from verses one through four of God, your steadfast love endures forever, you established your covenant, and then in 38, God, you have cast off and rejected you are full of wrath against your anointed. He seems like he's blaming God here. God, you promised these things. You promised that the line of David would be established forever. And yet we're in exile. He's not king. We don't even have a nation of our own. Our temple is destroyed. What happened? You, God, have turned your back on us. How easy is that for us to do in our own lives? Where one day we can be reading scripture, God can seem so near. God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness on my life. And then either in the next instant or moment or maybe the next day or the next week, we can be distracted by sin, by everything going on in the world. And we have a tendency to be like, God, where are you? 
where are you? And especially if we came to Jesus, I would say, especially if we came to Jesus with an, like if we reduce in an individualistic way, or if we reduced the gospel and the story of God to an individualistic salvation, this tends to be our go-to. If we reduce the gospel that God just came down to save me from my sins so I can get into heaven, then when things go wrong, we're like, God, where are you? Where have you gone? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you let these things happen? And we can get angry. But the idea of that covenant and what Tim was teaching us this morning is God has never left. God has always been faithful to his covenant. We are the ones that have walked away. We are the ones that have disobeyed and walked away from that covenant. So we could reread 38 as we have cast off and rejected. We are full of wrath against your anointed. We killed your son, Jesus Christ. We have renounced the covenant with your servant. We have defiled his crown in the dust. We were the ones that demanded a human king. So we could reread this as we are the ones that have walked away. God has always been faithful to his covenant because in his covenant, if we disobey in our unbelief, things start going awry. So from the very beginning, when man chose to walk away, chose to take the fruit, chose to disobey God, chose to believe that they could make decisions on their own apart from God, apart from who he says he is, apart from the law, apart from what is good, disobeyed the command, and the consequence was death and curse and destruction. And that has permeated all of creation from then until now. In verses 35 and 36, God says, once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. His throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever. A faithful witness in the skies. We see this, a lot of this, in fact, verses, um, verses 19 through 37 are basically taken, almost taken right out of 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7, I'll, I'll read it real quickly. Uh, verses 11 through 16. Where's 11? From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel... And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, 
You shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. These are the words that God tells David through Nathan, because God wants to build him a house. God wants to build, or Nathan, David wants to build God a temple. And he says, you're not going to be the one that builds me a temple. Your son is going to be the one that builds me a temple, but I will establish his throne I will establish your throne forever. And if you, if you caught it, just on a side note, if you caught it in here, we see the blessing, we see the command, and we see the warning. In fact, he almost tells them, when your sons disobey me, I will discipline them with the rod. So when, this, and this, This, by many scholars, is a double prophecy. He is telling David, your son, Solomon, is going to build me the temple, right? He's going to be the one that builds my house, not you. But as we know, but he goes on to say, and his throne will be established forever. His kingdom will be established forever. He wasn't talking about Solomon. Solomon died and the temple was then destroyed. So this is a double prophecy. He's saying one day from the line of David will come one whose throne will be established forever. Is this messianic promise that the Jews held on to? One day, okay, it wasn't David. It wasn't Abraham. It wasn't Moses. Could it be David? Ah, David messed up. It's not David. Could it be Solomon? He's wise, not Solomon. The Jews kept, Israel just kept like, When? When is this king who's going to save us, who's going to deliver us, who's going to establish his kingdom, when is he going to come? And they held on to this promise. So the true son of David, Jesus Christ, who was born in the lineage of David, whose temple was raised even after being destroyed, it says in John 2, 19, when Jesus tells his disciples, you can kill me, but this temple will be raised on the third day. Whose dominion and kingship will reign forever, as it talks about in Hebrews 7. So when man could no longer keep up with this, with our part of the bargain, Because of the sin and the death and the destruction and the curse of sin that permeates all through creation, we cannot hold up this, our part of the covenant. There is no way we in and ourselves could fully in faith obey all of the covenant, all of the law, all of the commands. So God sends his son to be man to fully fulfill the covenant between him and God. 
and takes our place so that we no longer have to offer sacrifice, but became the ultimate sacrifice for us. He fulfills the promise of David and he establishes his throne forever. And we are invited into this kingdom. The kingdom that has been ushered in through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are invited to be be a part of that. And now he says, come, join me. Join me on this mission. Live like I lived. Obey me. Follow me. Experience the blessing and the fullness of who I am. I have already paid the penalty for the disobedience and the unbelief of that covenant. Now enter into the new covenant through my son. He will be faithful to establish his steadfast love. And though it may seem at times in our brokenness like the promises of God are not true, or that God is distant and far away and no longer, he's just like, man, I've given up. (laughs) Do you see what's going on right now? Y'all are on your own. While it may seem like that a lot of times, God is faithful in his covenant and is continuing to move history forward to the day when he comes and reconciles and restores all things and makes them new. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your covenant. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, when we cannot hold up our end of the covenant, our end of the agreement, God, instead of destroying us, you moved toward us by sending your son to live and to die, to be resurrected as a human, to fulfill the covenant you made with your people. God, so that not only Israel would be invited into that covenant, but all peoples would be invited into that covenant. So Father, we pray for your spirit to continue to move us, to spur us, to give us strength, to give us hope. As we are now lights in this dark world, may we move towards that darkness to shine a light of your faithfulness and your love in the midst of sin and darkness. It's in your name we pray. Amen.